morning, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the Wolf Wisdom Gathering here in nature's classroom on nature's path. This is Takoda. Takoda means friend to everyone. And today I'm here to talk about living free. And the only way to live free is to know that you're one of a kind. So that's kind of the theme of what's going on. And look at him. There's nothing in time or space or no one or no creature like this guy. It's unmistakable. And just like any other creature, they have their own little idiosyncrasies. Like we all have our own little idiosyncrasies that make us us. You know? When he was this big, we got him when he was, um, I believe, uh, he was 15 days old. 15. 15 days old. And I knew his name was Dakota. I knew it at the time. Now, I knew it because, first of all, I loved the sound of it. And then the second thing was that I knew that this would be his job in our pack. And, of course, we added the noshi in front of it. Noshi means father. So father, friend to everyone is his whole name. And then look what he turned into. <laughs> so talk about resonating with your name, this identity that we have. And it reminds me of um, uh, a very wise man that's in our lives that is our teacher who says that um, our favorite sound, our favorite sound is the sound of our name. The thing that sends that vibration into us because that's who we are. You know, hearing our name. And if you notice, I say it all the time, even around all of them. You know, it's like, Takoda, like saying their names. <laughs> Freedom. And if you're parents, you probably did the same thing. You know, or the nickname that became your name. So this uniqueness that we have and this funny stuff and this one-of-a-kind thing that we have. Um, is what I'm going to talk about today. So living free. Nikki Rose says, no one knows what you have been through or what your pretty little eyes have seen. But I can reassure you, whatever you've conquered, it shines through your mind. So let's think about that. Everything that you've conquered shines through their mind as we do our opening meditative prayer. Oh, just relax. What a beautiful, gorgeous, amazing day it is up here on the mountain. And just relax in that chair that you're sitting in and uncross everything. Let the chair hold you. Mother Earth has that chair. You cannot fall.
Here's what I know. Sometimes the words are not big enough for the level of this force, this intelligence, this creative energy that we are made of and from. Everything seen and unseen, the magnificence of this whole universe that is created from this idea, this mind. And that we are perfect, whole, complete, mathematically correct manifestations of this creative energy. Perfect in every single way. And I believe, intentionally so, uniquely so, we're like a snowflake living on this planet, unchanged in your true nature. And so I claim for each and every one of you that your divine purpose is unfolding despite appearances to the contrary. At all times, that your heart is filled with your desires. And your desires lead you forward to what it is that you're supposed to do. And that this inner wisdom, especially that knowing that the wisdom is within, is where you get all your information how you get your self-expression, how you share with the world your unique divinity as a divine spiritual being. That's what you are. And so I claim your highest good and the highest good of all our relations, which means every living thing. And so I'm so grateful for all the good that has come before me, the good that is here now, the good that is always coming. And I release these words knowing there is truth to them, universal truth for each and everything living. And I release them knowing that they are done in the mind that we all share this consciousness, this oneness that we are all a part of. And so I say, and so it is, amen, aho, namaste. However it is that you can embody this truth for yourself and take it out into the world and know and always remember who you are. Nikki Rowe also says this, wild people are an unexplainable spark of life. They ooze freedom and seek awareness. They belong to nobody but themselves, yet give a piece of who they are to everyone they meet. I love that word, ooze. <laughs> If you have met one, hold on to them. They'll allow you into their chaos, but they'll also show you their magic. Hmm. Now, this talk was inspired by a Prince song that Greg wanted to sing called Starfish and Coffee. We'll talk about it after he sings it, so come on up. <laughs> Yay, you're welcome, Greg. We were online to greet the teacher, Miss Kathleen. First was Kevin, then came Lucy, third in line was me. All of us were ordinary compared to Cynthia Rose. She always stood at the back of the line, smiled beneath her nose. Her favorite number was 20, and every single day 
If you asked her what she had for breakfast, this is what she'd say. Starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam, butterscotch clouds, a tangerine, and a side order of ham. If you set your mind free, baby, maybe you'll understand. Starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam. Cynthia wore the prettiest dress with different colored socks. Sometimes we wondered what meats were in her lunchbox. When me and Lucy opened it, when Cynthia wasn't around, Lucy cried, I almost died. You know what we found? Starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam. Butterscotch clouds, a tangerine, and a side order of ham. If you set your mind free, baby, maybe you'll understand. Starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam. Cynthia had a happy face, just like the one she draws on every wall in every school. It's alright, it's for worthy cause. I'm gone, Cynthia. I keep saying, starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam. Butterscotch clouds, a tangerine, and a side order of ham. If you set your mind free, baby, maybe you'll understand. Starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam. Oh, oh. Keep saying starfish and coffee, maple syrup and jam. Thank you. Thank you. Um, never heard it before. And Greg always sends me a couple of choices of what I want to do, and I don't listen to the song because I like to be surprised by the, the music. But um, the lyrics I always read, I'm like, I have to do that song. So Cynthia Rose. And then um, I was fine with the idea of it. It gave me the idea of my talk, and then Greg sent me kind of the history of the song and how it was written, and that it was a friend of Prince's who actually had this friend named Cynthia Rose, and she was odd and kooky and crazy. And um, she would talk about, they would talk about their lives and their history, and she must have retained Cynthia Rose in her body. You know how I talked about embodying? this principle embodying this knowledge, this girl, this little girl that was a friend of hers, Cynthia Rose, she ended up embodying her uniqueness and remembered it all her life to share her experience with this friend, this unique friend, enough to talk to Prince about it. And one day he went downstairs into the basement and said, don't come down until I'm finished. And then says, come in here. And this is the song that he came up with. This ode to Cynthia Rose, <laughs> starfish and coffee. Um, but what impresses me about it is that, you know, the, if you read the story, and please go do, is that um, the things that I used to, when I was going to, through, going to school, that I would shut down and not share so that I was not doing what Cynthia Rose was doing, which was sharing who she was, sharing her funness, sharing how she got through her day. You know, it's curious when you hear the story that it's so odd that she would have to create this world to have a smile. You don't know what was happening at home. 
You understand? You know, so the way we express ourselves to get through the world and then to share those things, all this woman knew about her is these little quirky things that she said, or she wasn't sharing that part of it. And she didn't know what was going on and why she had this smile beneath her nose. Think about that. Always this smile beneath her nose. And all of us are like that. We all have our little idiosyncrasies. And mostly, the, you know, we get shut down with them so that we don't appear nuts to everybody else. And that's why that wild, you know, quote from Nikki Rowe is that we have, you know, when we are totally expressing ourselves and the times that I've done it in my life and people kind of step back and go, whoa, do you know what I mean? Calm down, girl, <laughs> or whatever, you know? that those are the times where I was really feeling free and living free and then got embarrassed that I went too far. Like that dance, like nobody's watching, sing, like nobody's listening, you know, just go for it. Be who you are. And the, the thing is, is that you withhold yourself from the world. You withhold yourself from the memories. You withhold yourself from making an impression on a friend to that level where she's talking, to, talking about you in her 20s and 30s when she knew you in middle school. We have this way about us to help each other live our freedom, our free selves, to have that free expression. And I do believe it's getting better today. Much, much better from what I hear. You know? So I'm really happy about that. Rita Mae Brown says, about all you can do in life is to be who you are. Some people will love you for you. Most people will love you for what you can do for them. And some won't like you at all. So if those are your three choices, what should you do? Just be yourself. <laughs> You're not going to please anybody else. You're not going to make an impression on anybody else. If that's what their agenda is, to see what you can do for them, right? Then they're, they're always going to be about that. And if people don't like you at all, then who? Okay. How is that my business? How is that my business? John Grisham says, don't compromise yourself. You're all you have. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. You are all you have. All those little compromises tear down your spirit. All those little compromises shut down who you are. All those little compromises make you less and less and less and less. And like a lot of us and a lot of, especially me, you take a lifetime of adulthood to get over it so that you end up, now I'm going to be 62 in a week, you know? <sighs> I'm finally back where I was when I was 12. <laughs> it shouldn't take a lifetime to get over myself, do you know what I mean? And to get over what life did to me. That, but that is the truth. And it's the truth for a lot of people. Maya Angelou says, I can be changed by what happens to me, but I refuse to be reduced by it. So no, I don't even think I heard about Maya Angelou until she was already in her 50s and 60s. So this wisdom is great to have right now, but this wisdom should be in every single parent, in every single school system. So to allow us to be who we are and express that freely, without judgment, with, you know, with acceptance. 
Lao Tzu says, when you are content to be simply yourself and don't compare or compete, everyone will, ex will respect you. This is how bad it is. I went and got an eye test the other day to get new lenses, right? And they have this test where you have to have like this little button and they make you cover one eye and look at one eye and then there's like this little box and then the lights go on and you're supposed to hit the little button every time the light goes off. So first it's in the center and then it goes off in the peripheral thing. And it's a test to see if you have depth perception or how much your peripheral vision is infected, right? I found myself competing with myself <laughs> and how well I was doing while I'm taking the test. And then I had to laugh at myself for being competitive <laughs> about a test that's supposed to help me, but I'm like trying to win. Like it's a video game of some kind. Do you know what I mean? Instead of just doing what the test requires for my well-being. And then, I, of course, I knew what I was going to talk about today, so I'm thinking, this is how ingrained it is to be this competitive, to try and win something when there's nothing to win. And then I think I was so concentrated on my thoughts, <laughs> my right eye. There, we, I have no idea unless I go take the test again, but there was this whole area that I missed. Probably when I was thinking, this is ridiculous, Colette. You're trying to compete with yourself and not even seeing what's going on. And so I get in the way of my own well-being trying to compete with something that isn't even a test. And I thought, if I have this in me, I know other people have this level of competitiveness, even with yourself. And especially even when it's not a test, and who likes to take tests? I have another story later about another test I had to take. <laughs> Steve Maraboldi says, there is nothing more rare nor more beautiful than someone being unapologetically themselves, comfortable in their perfect imperfection. To me, that is the true essence of beauty. Brian Tracy says, never complain, never explain. Resist the temptation to defend yourself or make excuses. So my driver's license runs out <laughs> on Tuesday. So <laughs> you get that notification in the mail. And I'm going to actually go into, you know, I had to get, I, I I w wanted to apply for what is now called a real ID. Have you ever guys have heard of this yet? You won't hear about it unless you have to renew your driver's license. So a real ID, R-E-A-L, is a driver's license that in 2020 is the only real ID they will accept for you to go into a federal building or on a domestic flight. Now. I looked into this, and it was 2003. After 9-11, they passed this law that said, you have to have a real ID. Only they didn't start making them happen until this January 2018. 15 years later, it gets implemented. Well, it's not out there for the world to know. So if you don't have to renew your driver's license in the next two years, and you think you can use your driver's license to get into a federal building or on a plane, you're going to get turned away. So oh, just look into it. Anyway, I wanted to have my real ID, but this is what's required. A new driver's test, of course, my birth certificate, my marriage certificate, <laughs> and a passport if I have one to prove that I am who I am. So I, I made an appointment 
for May 3rd, a month before May 3rd, and then I went to go to my appointment, and they didn't have my appointment on record. So I had to um, try and make another appointment, and then it would go past my birthday. So I went in, stood in the line, did the whole thing. So by the time I go looking, oh, you have to prove your, your address, too. So I had to take a current bill with me. So I, <laughs> first of all, it took me five hours to read the driving booklet and the manual. And every single practice test I took, I failed. <laughs> so, so I'm going in with this idea. Because they don't just give you the straight, you know what I mean? They try and trick you. All those little trick questions, they, I miss them. Because it's not straightforward. I know the answer if you don't try and trick me. But if you try and trick me with the multiple choice, then you, I'm, I'm had. I'm so gullible. I can't, I can't decipher it out. So these are all the things that I'm going to the DMV with, right? And um, I, I grabbed my passport and realized that it expired in March. Just this past March. So I'm like, they're not going to accept my passport. And my name is not the same name that I use on my birth certificate. So my birth certificate says Jean Colette. That's how I was raised. And, of course, I wanted to change it my whole life because whenever you go into... Um, but I've always been called Colette. But it was just Jean Colette because that was a funny thing for my parents to do. <laughs> but, um, so I've been called Jean anytime they make a roll call. And then I'm like, no, it's Colette. What? <laughs> so I finally changed it when I was an actress. I got a new name. And I changed it. And I looked in the laws, and of course, this was 1989 when I changed it. And the laws in California said if you don't change it for any, you know, nefarious purposes, then it's illegal. You just change it with the bank and let people know and go to the DMV, and they'll just do it. So I did. And that's how it worked. And I used it as a stage name. So when I decided that I needed to go to um, England to study Shakespeare and Jacobean tragedies, I needed a passport. So I go with my driver's license and this name and they want my birth certificate and it's not the name and I don't have any paperwork so I had to go through this whole rigmarole to prove who I am the whole point is that I have to prove who I am in this world and jump through all these hoops today now I had to show them my dry that my birth certificate now who even knows where my birth certificate was my parents had it the last time I saw you know and I'm now turning 40 so I had to go and apply for another birth certificate. And the place that was holding my birth certificate where I was born burnt down. So after tons and tons, and this was pre-computer, by the way, guys. So after tons of phone calls, I finally got a certified copy of my birth certificate. And even this one doesn't even tell what time I was born. So it's like... Um, so I have this birth certificate that is, does not relate to any name that I've been using since 1989. I'm taking to the Department of Motor Vehicles with an expired passport that's only two months gone, right? And they're looking at me like, well, there's no way for us to know who you are. <laughs> and I think about people who really don't have documents. And how they prove who they are. Because I'm trying to go through hoops just to prove who I am. I've got a bill that comes to my address to my full name. I've got a driver's license that they gave me after I was married with my full name. <laughs> I've got a passport that I've had for 10 years that I've used. but And I've traveled with that name. I've had a driver's license with that name for at least 15 years. And I still... 
We don't know who you are. Luckily, this is just luckily, when I moved to New York and then moved back to California, they gave me back my same driver's license that I've been driving in California with since 1977 with my old birth name. And also then the time that I switched because I got married and used that name. <laughs> so I have all these AKAs behind me. <laughs> At least I only had one marriage previously. But as I'm going through this process, I'm knowing what I'm going to talk about today and these hoops that I had to prove. They literally made me sit for 45 minutes while they called Sacramento to see if it was okay to, to, that I was me to let me have the name that I've been living with since 1989. <laughs> and then I thought I was bad until this woman came next to me and she's been trying to prove who she is since 1967 because her birth certificate got burned and no one can find it. And she was born in this country in 1940-something and she cannot prove who she is. Now, I don't know what she's going to do, because since 1967, she's been trying to get a copy of her birth certificate so she can prove today who she is, so she can be who she is and live in this country in the, in the freest nation on the planet, apparently. I did pass my test. I missed one, and it was one of those trick questions. <laughs> But I did get everything handled. And, you know, I just look to the highest good. All I can tell you is, you know, I use the principle of looking to the highest good. I'm, I'm sitting there. I could go, oh, my God, it's the DMV and all this bureaucracy. And blah, 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 blah. I could have sat there doing that. And part of my brain was. But mostly I was just going, okay, this is going to work. This has to work. This is going to work. <laughs> and, of course, it did. And I got through the whole process. And so now I'm, I'm, I have a real ID. <laughs> Charlotte Erickson says, so you will meet many someones who will give you a new definition to your name. And you cannot build walls. You must not close the door. And please don't hide. Because if you ask me about hurt and love, I will say love. Love because the hurt will come and go no matter what, but only love makes it worthwhile. Only love can cure it. Don't be scared. Go love. You know what? I think that that's why betrayal is so devastating. And, I, and it, it rings in, in my body as being true, is that when you get betrayed, it's as though no, they never knew you at all. You know what I mean? That your whole identity goes into some kind of question when that happens. And it's not like you, you didn't know who you were, but the fact that you were with somebody or you knew somebody and they betrayed you on the level of devastation, it's that they never got you. And I think that that's why it's so hard to get over those kind of the biggest hurts. Do you know? Because you get to a point where you give your whole self to someone else. And they go, eh, not worth it. For a moment of a choice or whatever it is that they did. Do you know what I'm saying? 
and that hurt becomes some part of you that leaves a scar of this memory that someone didn't get you, that someone didn't know you, that you gave everything of who you were, and it's now irrelevant. And so that's why we have to be that careful with each other and that careful with ourselves. It's, just, it's okay if, you, if the time is for you to go someplace, but you don't have to do injury when you leave. There's no reason to do something that's going to cause permanent damage in order to get out. And then most of the time I do believe that those choices get unconscious on a certain level because you're so, you've been hurt so badly that you don't want to hurt on that level that you end up hurting even worse because you can't tell the truth of your own experience and what you need to do now. And because we've got this built-in judgmental system, you know what I mean, that your life and my life has meaning only if we're together, right? Because we're so fragile in that way. That if you make another choice to go do something else with your life, that somehow that's an impression on me. And that I'm going to live without and do without. And yet people cannot be free to express themselves and live the divine purpose that they're supposed to do unless they go do it. Which has nothing to do with you. It's our job to support that. We're, I want my divine destiny, don't you? I can't say, I get my divine destiny, but you got to stay here. Because if you're not here, then it's going to make it harder for me. You can't do that to a person. And yet we do it in cultures. We do it in our families. We do it with friends. And it's, we do it with coworkers, you know. Viren Nazarian says, freedom is not a license to act, but a license to exercise free choices in any given situation. Free choices. The free will that they talk about. Serena Hartwell says, we nurture our creativity when we realize our inner child. Let it run and roam free. It will take you on a brighter journey. Wow. Now, I don't have this uniqueness, but Margie was just walking outside and picked up a little piece of wood and says, oh, it's a dolphin. <laughs> Do you know how many times I've walked by this, this piece of wood? Swear to God, I walked by that piece of wood that you picked up and said, it's a dolphin. Going, what an interesting little piece of wood. Do you know what I mean? I noticed that it was interesting, but I didn't see the dolphin. So it takes Margie with the mind of, you know, she's going to go and pick it up and take it and make it something that somebody else will give, it will give joy to, right? This is why we're so different. I see an interesting piece of wood. She's like, dolphin! <laughs> but how great is that? How great is that? And then she's handing it to you. It is a dolphin! <laughs> what a beautiful thing. And then you see this imagination, like the woman who came in here and said, I have wolves surrounding me, and she sees them in the wood, the naughty wood. And then, until, and then I went and looked, and all of a sudden, there's wolves everywhere. But I'm not looking for them. That's not what I do. That's what she does. That's what she sees. Steve Maraboldi says, free yourself from the burden of feeling the need to hold on to anything. Let go. You are a part of everything. Anybody been to our Saturday visits? 
um, with the wolves. Paul, his inner child comes out, especially when it comes to feeding the wolves. And um, it's more fun to watch him than sometimes the people. <laughs> he is so fun into it. But especially with uh, Dakota and Taya and um, Cochise. Because they get to do this whole feeding process. And, and, and Paul literally feeds people to the wolves. And he puts chum on their head and in their mouths. And he makes them lay down. And he throws chum on their bellies. And the wolves come and eat it. There's <laughs> Claudia with that face. <laughs> like, <"Ugh." laughs> and there are like four or five people in the room that go, me, me. <laughs> So you come, and you give a donation, and you meet wolves, and you're going to sit down. But mo so, uh -uh, I'm not doing that. It's slobbery. <laughs> it took me to watch him for years until I said, I want to do it. Take a video of me. I giggled like I haven't giggled in ages. And they're my wolves depriving myself of the whole experience that he gives to everybody every week who comes here who wants to do it. You know? And there's just those people in the room like, oh, me, choose me, choose me. <laughs> Let me do it. What do you want to do? And he gives them a choice. You know, if you just want to feed them with your hand or if you want to put a piece of chum in your mouth and let Dakota kiss you and take it out. And, <laughs> and Or you get fed to the wolves where you get chum in your hands and you get thrown to them and you get laid down and then chum thrown all over your body and you, the wolves get to eat it. And so it's this huge, fun process. And... You know, there are people who sit in their chairs and you want to do it. <laughs> They're so tied up. They've got their knees crossed. They've got their arms crossed. They don't even speak. It's just, mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> With that, you know... They're watching other people be safe and sound. The wolves don't even step on them. They're so gentle about it. It's hysterical. And plus it tickles. <laughs> So it's so much fun. But that thing of, you know, it's like get back to your inner child, the things that you would do when you were a kid, when you were fearless, when you hadn't had so many emotional hurts where you would just try anything, you know. <laughs> Shannon Adler says, when you let go of control and commit yourself to happiness, it is so easy to offer compassion and forgiveness. This propels you from the past into the present. People that are negative spend so much time trying to control situations and blame others for their problems. Committing yourself to staying positive is a daily mantra that states, I have control over how I plan to react, feel, think, and believe in the present. No one guides the tone of my life except me. That's free will. That's free choice. That's living free, as far as I'm concerned. Now, Joycey Bell, I mean, Joy, C. Joy Bell C. says this, freedom is not the absence of commitment, and to be committed to something or to someone does not mean the loss of freedom. But freedom exists in the realm of the unbound, and to be free is to be committed to that which is a part of the unbound realm. Whatever sets your soul to flight is freedom. You know, I, that, that kind of, you know, from our generation of the, you know, um, the hippies, <laughs> you know. Um, no, free, you don't have a lack of freedom if you 
if you have a job, you don't have a lack of freedom if you are expressing yourself. You don't have a lack of freedom if you commit to something to the end. You made a choice and you are free to see and commit to how you're going to make that happen. Even artists, there are limitations to what you can do. You can be a musician, you can sing, you can sing a cappella, but you still have to some kind of key, right? If you're an artist, it depends on what canvas you're on. When I was painting walls, my wall was my canvas, but I had that limitation. If you're painting, do you know, a piece of ivory and you're sculpting, do you know what I mean? An image into the smallest little pieces of a ring or something, that is your limitation of your artistic expression. So everything has some kind of boundary to it that you have to work within in order to create. And part of those boundaries help you finish it and accomplish it. If it's just all a big free-for-all, then you can start over here and then start over there and then start over there and nothing gets finished. Has anybody seen the Van Gogh um, exhibit in um, Amsterdam? The last wall of the last thing in the museum in Amsterdam of Van Gogh is... 35 paintings that they said are kind of unfinished, and they were all done within one, every day of the month. So how many days are in a month? Right? 30, 31. There's 35 paintings. To me, you had to point out, because I don't have that kind of detail, you had to point out to me what wasn't finished. <laughs> but there's 35 paintings on this wall, all done with the la in the last month of his life. He just painted. And, but he still, had, they were all the same size, and they were all consistent. Like one picture didn't have the part of the other picture in it. So he had this framework, but he worked within those, those boundaries, and he did a painting, more than a painting a day in the last month of his life. And you can't just, you, you just, you, <laughs> you can't not just stand there and go, whoa. 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 And then artists can appreciate this. This is the one time where they we're experimenting where the only time that you can actually see the painting is when you're standing 20 feet or more than, you know, a feet away. Right? So it looks good from here, but if you get up close to it, it looks like a big mishmash of paint. But you've got to stand back 10 feet and it's this beautiful thing. How do you paint that? <laughs> How do you paint that? You walk 20 feet, walk back, <laughs> see if you're making it right. I mean, literally, the dedication, the uniqueness, the expression, what you will do for that expression is amazing. We all have that in us. Carrie Bradshaw says, maybe some people aren't meant to be tamed. Maybe they just need to run free until they find someone just as wild to run with them. My husband raises his hand. <laughs> and those of you who know me or have known me long enough know I am so straight. I am straight as an arrow, and if you know my husband, he is not. <laughs> and I've always been attracted to the knots because I'm so straight. But somewhere in the middle, do you know what I mean, of our black and white and the color outside the lines, you know, we get along and complement each other which is a great thing because it isn't so easy for me to completely and totally express myself that way. 
John Crack, Krakauer says this. He was unheeded, happy, and near to the wild heart of life. He was alone and young and willful and wild-hearted, alone amidst a waste of wild air and brackish waters and the sea harvest of shells and tangle and veiled gray sunlight. He kind of goes on. But you know, I was noticing in the last few quotes, which is what you're going to hear, is that a lot of freedom has to do with nature. Connecting with the nature. Go out and be in nature. We are from it, by the way. We were born of it. You know, nature's path means something here. <laughs> I live with wolves. I can't be that straight. You know, there is something in my heart that drew me to this place, to this person, to these animals, to you in this room. To be able to walk in the grass and live in this beautiful place with the wind and the water and everything else that kind of serves and gives us the peace and energy to connect to, to remember who we are as well. And then, of course, the wolf's howl. There you go. Monique Duval says, she decided to free herself, dance into the wind, create a new language, and birds fluttered around her, writing yes in the sky. Paul did some tree work this week. I wasn't here. I was at the DMV. No, <laughs> I wasn't. I was at the eye doctor. But a couple of little baby birds lost their nest. And so he took the birds and he found them in the ground and he picked them up with the gloves and he made a, he got a basket and he made a nest for them. And of course I rushed to Petco to get some food, you know, and he nailed it to the tree and put some branches around it and made sure that it it's like a nest, you know. Sorry about that. And so Antoinette, because she's taller than me, fed them with an eyedropper the first day and they've got their little beaks open and they're like, you know, frantically getting it. And then we went inside and watched how the parents found them. So mom is taking care of them in their nest. They're going to be fine. <laughs> and I have to resist going to peak because I want to see, you know, I want to be a part of it. And then I did, I, I went out there this morning just to kind of peek and I scared the mom and she ran, at, she was on them and she ran away. And then dad was on the <laughs> On the high wire, the wire sitting up. And he looked at me with this look, like, really? <laughs> and he spoke to me. But, you know, have you ever been downsized by a bird? <laughs> I, like, got a couple of feet away, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm looking up, and this male bird is just looking at me. <laughs> So I'll leave them alone now. But I know they're okay. Part of my job was to know that they were okay. And the, the being able to participate with nature on this level is so amazingly, it's such an honor. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just, you know, and then all of us standing in the office going, is she going to go? Is she going to go take care of them? Is she going to, is she? And then she flies over and she's feeding them. And she's digging in the yard to get them worms and giving them little pieces. And we're like, oh. What a great experience. See, Joy Belsey says this again. 
I don't have a diary. I don't write things into a diary. I imprint myself into the sky, and when the sunlight shines brightly, I can stand under the sun's rays, and everything I have imprinted of myself into the sky, I will begin to see again, feel again, and remember again. And when the wind begins to blow, it blows the details over my face, and I remember everything I left in the sky and see new things being born. I am unwritten. From this moment on, you really are. You are unwritten. What you do from this moment on, where you step, that's you. It's a new page. It doesn't have to be written down. It just has to be imprinted in the energy of the life that we were given and that comes to us freely, to live free expressing that way. There's this um, uh, one Monday a month we go down to act in rehab and we take the wolves and um, these people are struggling to be free again, to be free from um, an addiction, you know. And I talked about, you know, you're here in recovery because that's what they call it, but you're not here recovering from something. You're here to recover your soul. Recover yourself while you're here. And I thought about this. Um, I don't know why it brought me up again, but, you know, some ideas about what God is have not been helpful in our lives. And I, I thought about this uh, quote, that really famous quote, that God doesn't give you anything more than you can handle. And I'm like, really? <laughs> that really sucks, you know? <laughs> well, you know, handle this. <laughs> For anybody who's been struggling through anything, and the idea that a God that made us perfect, whole, and complete, uh, you know, would give us these things, for what purpose? What purpose would that serve? I personally don't believe that that is a godlike thing, that, you know, there's something up there that's deciding who gets to suffer this misery right now and see if they can handle it, you know? The idea to me is preposterous. This is what, this is what I believe. And uh, Jazz Gill says this, Dear fellow human being, you were born wild. You don't deserve to be tamed. Tell yourself you do not deserve this. All those toxic words you have to listen to from people, all those fears they try to pin on your mind, all those giggles they aim at your dreams, all those judgmental stares inspecting your individuality, all those fingers pointing towards your crude character, all those shackles that tie your feet to social expectations, all those cages that do not let your imagination fly free. Listen deeply. You do not deserve any of it. My dear fellow human, you do not deserve this hostility. You are born wild. You do not deserve to be tamed. Christy Bowman says, when we awaken to our truth, we realize we are free. And Rachel Naomi Remen says this, belief traps us or frees us. So what do you want to believe? One of the things that Jesus said that is not 
um, mentioned that often is, is that he said, it is done to us as we believe. What do you believe? Do you believe that you need to suffer, that you were born to suffer, there's something wrong with you? You don't deserve to have, you do not deserve to live this life in a way that where you find peace, harmony, joy, and happiness, and love in your life? Do you believe that, which is a lot of religious ideas and cultural ideas and economic ideas that are piled upon us to tame us for somebody else's purposes? Or do you believe that you were born free? Do you believe that you have free will? <laughs> it's substantiated all over the place. It's substantiated in my experience to know that that's when I feel the happiest, is when I know love, I know who I am, and I am free to express that without judgment. And that I allow other people to do the same. And that I know that that's what we're here for. So you can either trap yourself with a belief that you do not have a divine purpose, or you can free yourself with the same idea. And which one do you want to believe? Journey wrote a song, Don't Stop Believing, and that's what Greg's going to sing for us right now. So welcome, Greg, again. Just one more time 
some will win, some will lose. Some are born to sing the blues. Oh, the movie never ends. It goes on and on and on and on. Strangers waiting up and down the boulevard. There's shadows searching in the night. Street light people living just to find emotion hiding somewhere in the night Don't stop believing Hold on to that says our task must be to free ourselves by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature and its beauty and that includes you that includes you so thank you everybody <laughs> that was a fun talk starfish and coffee you are uniquely perfect I want you to know that Anyone who can hear the sound of my voice, you are special, whole, complete, necessary human beings. And we need you. And you matter. Oh, namaste, everybody. Oh, I just want to say that, um, you know, Shadowland Foundation and what we're doing here with Nature's Path and the Wolf Wisdom Talks all sprung from what we learn from these incredible animals. So um, I just ask that you support us in any way that you can. If you have a monetary gift that you want to share with us, you can donate on our, our homepage and, um, and, and find us that way. We really do depend on the kindness of strangers. So if you have a love offering, you can give one today. Also, the jars are out there. We don't pass a basket. So. <laughs> and if you're at home listening, we appreciate anything that you can do for us. Um, but um, we bless every person, every entity, bless everything that comes into our lives and accept it with a gracious heart. And I want to thank you for that. So I want you to have a blessed day. We're going to go see the wolves, and we're going to have refreshments. And um, please keep coming back and tell your friends.